Welcome to the Daily Office Lectionary. I'm Father Reed. This week, we are going to look at the scriptures for the second week of Easter. The second week of Easter. I hope all of you had a wonderful Easter. We celebrated Easter uh, day and week last week. And I hope you had a wonderful time with your family and a beautiful uh, service for those of you that uh, went to church. For those of you that are asking questions about Christ and his resurrection from the dead, we're going to look at scriptures uh, this coming week from the books of Exodus. We'll be continuing our journey with the Jews and with Moses as he leads them out of Goshen. And uh, then God deals with them in chapters 14, 15, 16, and 17. They will exit Egypt and move toward the promised land. Exodus is just a fabulous book. Then we will be looking in the New Testament at 1 Peter. 1 Peter. Now, 1 Peter comes after the 13 letters of Paul and after the book of Hebrews. And then we have James and then 1 Peter. Okay? And then... The gospel reading, we have been looking at Mark. We're going to look at John. Very, very good scriptures in John. John 14, 15, 16. Now, these three chapters were written before or given in Jesus' life before his uh, crucifixion, which we find uh, in chapter 19 of John. His resurrection is in chapter 20 but we're going to be looking at 14, 15, and 16. So we have several Sundays in Easter, and then we will have Pentecost, and then we will have Trinity Sunday, which will be the first Sunday after Pentecost, and then we'll have what we call the ordinary season, uh, where we will have Sundays after Pentecost. I'll explain all of that uh, several, several weeks from now. But right now, We're rejoicing in the resurrection of Christ on Easter Day, uh, and we are now going to be looking at the scriptures regarding ascension of Christ and the coming of the Holy Spirit in Pentecost. Ascension of Christ happens 40 days after his resurrection. The Pentecost event happens 50 days after his resurrection. So we're now in a season of joy. We're in a season of a celebration. We rejoice that Christ is risen from the dead. A very different feel from the season of Lent. So this is a major season, obviously, of the church, and we are going to be celebrating for several weeks, um, seven to be exact. We'll be celebrating for several weeks the joy of Easter. All right, let's begin in Exodus. Now, in chapters uh, 12, we have the Exodus, which is Uh, typically called that event in which uh, Moses leads the people of Israel uh, who are settled in Goshen out of Egypt. Now remember, we've said in past weeks, that the Pharaoh had hardened his heart. Moses had appeared to, and Aaron had appeared to uh, and visited with Pharaoh many times and had sent plagues, boils, gnats, darkness, blood, But the final one got them, and that was the plague of the firstborn. So when Pharaoh's son died, and many other uh, children died as firstborn, let's look at the end of 13, and I'll get you caught up on chapter 14. 13, verse 17. When Pharaoh let the people go, he finally did so, 
God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though it was shorter. He said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt armed for battle. So he guided them in verse 21, a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way and by night a pillar of fire so that they could travel day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night, verse 22, left its place in front of the people. All right, so God is literally leading them out by a pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night, and they are moving as fast as they can uh, in an eastward direction. Okay. The Lord said to Moses in chapter 14, tell the Israelites to go back and encamp near Pi Haharoth between Midgal and the sea. They're to encamp by the sea. Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them. So this is not over yet. What we're going to find in chapter 14 is that the armies of Pharaoh, led by Pharaoh, are going to pursue them. But he says, I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all the army, and the Egyptians will know that I'm the Lord. So, what I want you to do is I want you to read that 14th chapter that you will find posted in your program. You can see the scriptures there and uh, enjoy the 14th chapter. In this particular situation, I don't want to tell you what happens. Now, many of you know what happens, but it's very thrilling. It's very exciting. Uh, but know that God's in charge and that God's uh, will will be done. What happens is, I can't help myself because 15 is a song of praise. What happens is the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea, not one of them survived. So God opened the sea. They traveled through it. When Pharaoh pursued them, the waters uh, came back down and they destroyed them. So what is astonishing about this particular series of chapters and scriptures is the power of God. Now, what we want to notice is you're reading your, these readings on a daily basis. We want to submit to this powerful God. This God has tremendous power. We see it in Jesus in the gospel readings. He's very powerful. You want to submit to him. You don't want to go out and do your own thing. You want to let him run your life. You want to let him rule. You want to make him savior. You want to make him Lord. You want to make him king. He has the ability to lead people out of bondage. He has the ability to destroy those enemies that beseech his people. And we see that very powerfully in 14. In chapter 15, we have the song of Moses. I will sing to the Lord. For he is highly exalted. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. So there's praise, there's worship. And that is what usually follows when people uh, thank God and are grateful for all the good things that God has done for them. I'm sure you've done that many times where something beautiful happens in your life, something powerful, something maybe even miraculous. You want to give praise and thanks to God. And so the 15th chapter is like that. Verse 11 of 15. Who among the gods is like you, O Lord? Who is like you? So he lists and chronicles all the things that he's done and how great he is, and that is very, very, very important. All right, go to verse uh, 22 of chapter 15. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. 
When they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. So the people grumbled against Moses saying, what are we to drink? Now, this is astonishing because all of these fantastic miracles have happened to them. God had done amazing things. He had led them out of Egypt. He had taken care of them. He had destroyed the armies of Pharaoh. And they're grumbling. I'm sure you and I have done that many times. We grumble. And he says in verse 26, If you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God, and you do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all of his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for the Lord heals you. If you will follow me, if you will do what I say, if you will trust me, you will be in good shape. If you don't do that, you're going to have lots of problems. And that's just a basic tenet of following God. Chapter 16 and 17. Well, God's got to provide for him. And as you read 16 and 17, you're going to see that he provides manna. Many of you, if not all of you, have heard of manna. And God uh, provides it every single day for them. And then you can't eat it at night, so you can't store it. The reason that's important is you want to be able to trust God with daily provision. That's not an easy thing to do, even though you intellectually know it. Trusting God that he's going to provide for your every need is a very, very important concept. And Exodus 16 does an excellent job. Now, he asked the people in verse 28, how long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? So we have this amazing tete-a-tete between God who's giving them commands, God who's healing them, God who's blessing them, God who's giving them instruction, God who's uh, providing for their needs. Then they have the people praising God, Exodus 15, thanking God, worshiping God, but then grumbling and wondering how they're going to be taken care of. The Lord, the Israelites ate manna for 40 years, verse 35, 40 years he provided. Water from the rock. The whole Israelite community, 17.1, set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. Give us water to drink, Moses said. Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? And they keep grumbling, grumble, grumble, grumble. They do not trust the Lord. The Amalekites, verse 8 of chapter 17, attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of your men and go and fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of mine of my hands, staff of God in my hands. So God is actually leading them into battle. And he blesses them. As long as his hands are raised, Moses' hands are raised, they are victorious. Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword, verse 13. The Lord is my banner, verse 15. For hands were lifted up to the throne of the Lord. The Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. In every conceivable way, God takes care of his people. So the idea is he taking care of you. Do you trust him? Are you um, trusting him for your sustenance? Are you trusting him for your quote-unquote daily bread? Are you trusting him for your daily living? He can be trusted. And what's so great about reading the Old Testament is you see how God takes care of his people. Enjoy Exodus 14 through 17. Let's look at 1 Peter. Love 1 Peter. You're going to go almost to the end of um, the book of the Bible. As I said, after James, 1 Peter. 1 Peter has just a tremendous number of beautiful verses 1 Peter 1, 2, 
3 and 4. Verse 3, praise to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, chapter 1. In his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. There's the resurrection, the beautiful Easter teaching, the beautiful Easter reading. Through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, you and I have new birth and we have a living hope. We have an inheritance, verse 4, that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. Here's what Christ has done for you. By his resurrection from the dead, 1 Corinthians 15, your faith is not futile. Your hope is not futile. Your life is not futile anymore. It has significance. It has value because Christ has overcome death, has overcome death and the grave. These have come to you so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes, though refined by fire, verse 7, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus is revealed. So again, back to that Exodus idea. When Jesus is revealed, when God is revealed, when God does great things for us, we praise him, we worship him, we give him honor, we give him glory. There's lots of connections between the Old and New Testament. That's why you want to practice doing that on a regular uh, and daily basis. He tells us in 1 Peter chapter 1, prepare your minds for action, be self-controlled. He says to be holy as I am holy, verse 15. For it is written, be holy as I am holy. Now, God Almighty is very much interested in the way we live. He's very much interested in the way we think. He's very much interested in holy, godly, and righteous actions. So our lifestyle and what, the way we want us to live are very important. This is why I love the Bible and reading the Bible so much. It not only tells me what I need to be focused on, tells me who God is, but it tells me how I'm supposed to behave. Very good scripture there. He also tells us in verse 22, love one another deeply from the heart. Again, the importance of love. In chapter 2, again, be reading chapter 1, if uh, and 2 and 3 and 4 in 1 Peter. And again, as you go through this, if you want to pick up a commentary or you want to look at your Bible, you might have notes on the side or you might even have cross-references uh, in terms of scripture readings that are similar. You might want to look those up if you want to do more extensive study. Always a very good thing to do, but the least of what you want to do is read it. The most of what you want to do is study and reflect upon it and think about what you're being um, taught and what you're reading and what God wants to say to you at that time regarding that scripture. This is why the daily lectionary is so wonderful. We come to him in chapter 2, verse 4, the living stone rejected by men but chosen by God and precious to him. The one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. You are never going to go wrong if you follow Christ and do what he says. You'll never go wrong if you put trust in his word. Now, how are you going to know the word? You're going to know the word by reading it. This is why we provide this uh, program to you on a weekly basis. We want to encourage your reading. We want to encourage you to pray. We want you to encourage you to listen to the Lord. It says at the end of chapter 2, a beautiful scripture, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, Good Friday, so that we might die to our sins and live for righteousness. Again, it's important the way you live. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you return to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Why do you return to the shepherd and overseer of your souls? Because the shepherd and overseer of our souls has overcome death and the grave. 1 Corinthians 15 end of 1 Corinthians 15. We have been liberated from sin, Romans 6, and now we are following the Lord 
and submitting to him and are in right standing with him, righteousness, and we are practicing his holiness, his sanctification, and we are uh, obeying the Lord. First uh, Peter 3.13 and following, he says, In your hearts separate Christ as Lord, verse 15. For Christ died for sins once for all, verse 18, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. He's not going to die again. There's no other sacrifice to be made. He made the perfect sacrifice. He did it perfectly. He does not need to do it again. He has been resurrected from the dead. He is alive today. And we worship him and glorify him. We do not worship and glorify a dead person, but we worship and glorify a live person. Okay? And finally, in 1 Peter chapter 4, 7 to 19, he says, The end of all things is near, therefore be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray again, love one another deeply. Love covers a multitude of sins. Oh, it, yes, it does. Be loving. Again, he reminds us the importance of loving one another, loving God, loving each other deeply. Now, there's much more uh, in these readings in 1 Peter that you see on your post. And please read those and enjoy them. 1 Peter is a beautiful example of showing the results of the resurrected Christ, showing uh, the efficacy of his work. And now he's calling us to embrace that and to believe that and to see what that has done and to know what that has done for us and then live accordingly as a result of that information. So we always put doctrine at the bottom. That's our foundation. What is it we believe? And then we build upon that how we are going to behave. What are we now going to do? Okay? In response to what we believe. Our gospel readings are very, very, very wonderful readings. I hope that you have in your lifetime, on uh, your spiritual life, it's taken some time with John 14, 15, and 16. They are fabulous, and I can talk for a very long time about them. I, I just will let you know that they are some of the most beautiful scriptures in the Bible. Jesus is talking. He's going to die very soon. He's talking about the, uh, uh, bringing the Holy Spirit to us. He's talking about the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Uh, in chapter 15, he's talking about him being the vine and we being the branches. Chapter 16, he talks about the Holy Spirit working in and through us. And so these are just uh, a wonderful um, compendium of scriptures that draw us closer to Christ in our relationship with him. So what I want to do is uh, read several of them and draw the, your attention to them. But again, be focused on reading the scriptures as part of your daily reading. Chapter 14, verse 1, a very famous scripture, particularly uh, ones that I do in funerals a lot. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If I were not so, I would have told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you with me so that you also may be where I am. And then Jesus says in verse 6, very, very famously, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am not a way, I am not a life, and I am not a truth. I am the truth. The Greek is very clear there. The Greek has a definite article, the. 
the life. He is the one. He is the truth. He is the way. There is no other way. There is no other life. There is no other truth. There are other truths, but he is the truth. Encapsulated in him is the way that we should live, the life that we should live, and the truth that we should live. He tells us in verse 12 of 14, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. Isn't that astonishing? He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I will and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. So the relationship that Christ wants to have with you is so intimate, so deep, so profound that you can pray in Jesus' name and he will do it because your will and his will be synchronized. If you love me, you will obey what I command. Now, the people that love Christ, and I hope it's all, all of you that are listening to me, but if it's not, pray that you will be drawn into a deeper relationship with Christ. Pray that Christ would reveal himself to you. Pray that the Holy Spirit will show himself to you. If you love me, you will obey what I command. So, and then later he says in verse 23, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. Well, we can't obey his teaching if we don't know what it is. We can't obey what he commands and love him in the process if we don't know what he commands and what he teaches. This is why the scriptures are so important, so you'll know what God wants you to do. So you'll know the way God wants you to behave. You'll know what God wants you to believe. Peace I leave with you, verse 27 of 14. Peace I give you. I do not give it as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Wouldn't that be a great thing for all of us? Do not be troubled. Do not be afraid. So many people live in tremendous fear, anxiety, and doubt. Jesus says, don't be troubled. Don't be afraid. In 15, we are commanded by him in verse 4 to remain in him and I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. If we are separated from Christ, we cannot grow. Your growth and my growth are predicated solely upon us being grafted into Christ. He is the vine. We are the branches. We cannot bear fruit unless we remain in him. I am the vine. You are the branches. Verse 5. If a person remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Outside of Christ, you can't do anything. Is Christ a big deal? Well, read 14, 15, and 16. He says it about as clearly as you can, uh, how important it is. Tells you in verse 9 to remain in his love. My command is this in 12. Love each other as I have loved you. Look at verse 16 of 15. You did not choose me, but I chose you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. This is my command, verse 17, love each other. Read these texts slowly. Take your time. They're very powerful. In 16, verse 13, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. You and I need to know the truth. We need to know the truth. When the, he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me, verse 14, by taking what is mine and making it known to you. So the Holy Spirit takes from Jesus his word and he brings it to us. He is the way that we get information by the power and the movement of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit re receives that information as the third person of the Holy Trinity from Jesus, who's the second person of the Holy Trinity. Remember that Jesus has this profound relationship also with God the Father, the first person of the Holy Trinity. Finally, the last verse, 
I have told you these things so that in me you have, may have peace. What a great way to end the second Sunday of Lent, of Lent, of Easter, and that is that we want to have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. I think it's fair to say that all of us have trouble for sure now and again. But take heart, he says, I have overcome the world. It may seem like the world has got you, but I'm in charge of everything. You're going to have problems. You're going to have troubles. Lean on me. Trust in me. Follow me. Think very much about the scriptures that you have this week. This is a fantastic array of scriptures from Exodus 14 to Exodus 17, 1 Peter 1, 2, 3, and 4, and the great John 14, 15, and 16. Enjoy your week. I look forward to seeing you next week as we look at the scriptures for the third Sunday of Easter. God bless you.